In this Advent series, what does the future hold? We're trying to answer that profound question through the lens of the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah. And today, in this third talk, we're going to consider Isaiah chapter 35. But first, a question. If I was to ask you, where is the real Ireland, that definitive place, the essence of Ireland, where would it be? For many people, the west of Ireland holds the essence of Ireland. It's something to do with its remoteness, its, its beauty, its otherness. Now, transfer this idea of the definitive, the real Ireland, to the biblical land of Israel. Where would we find the essence of Israel? The answer to that question is probably the wilderness, the desert place. It was there in the wilderness that the nation, the covenant people of God, was forged on God's anvil. From Abraham to Jesus in the biblical story, the wilderness is a significant place in the life of Israel. And it operates at two levels. On one hand, it's a place of formation, of encounter, of transformation, where God is clearly at work. And on the other hand, it is a place of testing, a place of difficulty, a place of uncertainty, where God's people are stretched. And we feel the pull in the tension of these two understandings of wilderness. This wilderness place is a recurring pattern in the biblical narrative. It's a motif which we find in wallpaper which lines a room, a recurring pattern. And here it crops up in Isaiah 35, almost in the middle of this great prophetic work. We find it in the form of a poem of great beauty. I will read it to you. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and of Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there 
And it should be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. In this astonishing poem, the prophet foresees the future in terms of a spontaneous transformation of nature. In verse 1, the desert blossoms. The parched ground is bedecked with crocuses. The dry land is not forlorn, but glad. There is joy and singing in the emptiness of the desert It will be filled with song. And in this reversal of how things are, the glory of the Lord, that is his weight, his majesty, his splendor, will be apparent. This is far more eye-catching and breathtaking than the glories of Lebanon, the majesty of Mount Carmel, and the splendor of the Sharon Valley. These special places on the tourist brochures of Isaiah's day. Those who would return would cross the desert. Those who were in exile for a generation in Babylon will see the glory of God and will sense his presence. What a privilege, what an experience of God when he draws near That experience is open to us all. When God draws near, he overwhelms and overtakes us. Our breath is almost taken away. It is a time to be savoured and enjoyed. The prophet sees something else. Nature is not only transformed, but there is a reversal of people's fortunes. And it's especially addressed to the weak and the fearful. Verses 3 and 4. The physically weak and the physically frail and those with hearts that are heavy are addressed in this poem. Such people need strength and stability, encouragement and hope. There are times and seasons in all of our lives when we are weakened, when we are fearful. Life does that to us. And we may feel like that right now. The call from God in this poem is for strength and resolution. And it is backed with this promise. Here is your God. He will come and he will save you. Whatever their situation, the people of God at the time of Isaiah, in their weakness and anxiety, whatever our own situation, in our frailty and fear, there was one who was for them and for us. He will save. He will deliver. 
He will provide strength. What a marvelous truth. Here is your God. Reach out to him in faith this Advent. And when God comes, then a small but significant word appears in verses 5 and 6. When God comes, then everything is different. For he is the agent of transformation. And all of the poetic imagery in these lines builds a picture of what God is able to do to transform the landscape. Dry, parched desert will be flooded by water. Reeds will grow in the haunts of jackals. And people's fortunes will be reversed. The blind shall see. Those who are voiceless will be heard. Those who are lame will walk. Will walk steadily and firmly and securely. Only God can do things like this. This is not a human program either political or religious. It's not a moral issue of self-improvement. It's not an educational matter. No, this is God at work in the wilderness of our world, in the wilderness of our lives. And the poem closes with an image of a highway, a road across the desert, the road home. Through the wilderness, God has built a highway. And notice what it's called. It's called a holy way. It is set apart for the people of God. For it is made for the redeemed, in verse 9, and the ransomed of the Lord. These are important words for the prophet Isaiah. One's brought back. Brought back by God from exile. Brought home, not under their own steam, but by the action of a merciful and gracious God. And on that road, there is protection, verse 9. And again, we hear the singing and joy which lasts as they move from Babylon to Zion to Jerusalem. They're happy to be on the road home. We can almost taste their joy. How do these lofty and beautiful world impact our lives in this Advent of 2022? Just one thought. Like the people of God in biblical times, we live with the tension of the wilderness. We live it out in our lives, in our world. Those hostile places, that difficult terrain, those hostile people who oppose us, the things which conspire against us. We get ill, we face difficulties, we get tired, we go, grow tired, we get hurt, we become anxious and are discouraged. Yet into all of that landscape, God comes. He is at work. 
And in the season of Advent, we're called to focus on him, to draw strength and encouragement from him. And through faith in his Messiah, Christ, to continue to journey with him. For he accompanies us on the road home. C.S. Lewis noted that in the present we live our lives going forward. But our lives only make sense when we look back on that highway, that holy road that God has prepared for us in Christ. And in closing, I borrow a few lines from another poet, T.S. Eliot, and his poem, The Wasteland. Who is the third who walks always beside you? When I can't, there are only you and I together. But when I look ahead, up that white road, there is always another one walking beside you.